Knock, knock, who's there? It's the Has Been Podcast. Chris, you're back from New Zealand after a week away. Tell us what you did in New Zealand, mate. It, it, I'll tell you, before I tell that, Queenstown's beautiful. I'd, I'd never been there and I spent a day there on the way out of uh, Invercargill, which was where the uh, the New Zealand uh, or basketball New Zealand's three-on-three tournament was. So got to, you know, sat in some really important meetings as you know, an owner of the Taranaki Airs, we, we saw some of our players who, the two guys on our team were really high quality people and two guys right off the bat we'd love to re-sign and, you know, just spending time and I'm a big advocate of being in the room. So we put ourselves in the room. We, you know, it's always great to catch up with Dylan Boucher, you know, who is CEO of Basketball New Zealand, who's an old uh, adversary, um, but no, really enjoyable week over there learning more about New Zealand basketball and understanding where we fit in. Yeah, nice. NBL-wise, um, mate, then I, th- I think my biggest takeaway from the weekend was Illawarra and Adelaide beating the teams that were playing in the NBA, NBL schedule. Um, that's really come to bite those two teams back in the arse, uh, so to speak, even though Cairns did get a good win the other night up in Cairns. But... Adelaide, Illawarra, Brisbane, probably three teams that we didn't expect a whole lot from this season have were surprisingly good this last round. And, and Brisbane in particular, I think, have responded really well in the last, since Aaron Baines got suspended. It's it's interesting. I, I really love Tyrell Harrison. And I mean, it's, I don't think anything you do is a secret, but he's been someone I've loved for a couple of years. And you can imagine with Taranaki, he's been one of the first people I've called. So I've watched with interest and, Love what he's doing. Love the defensive presence he brings. Love, I love the way he finishes around the rim. And the question mark over Tyrell's always been, can he stay healthy? And so far, he's stayed healthy. And, you know, he's, I think he's been great. I think Brisbane, you know, the weekend they had getting the two wins was important. Um, but I had the exact same thought. The two teams that came back from the NBA, NBL games have, have really struggled. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago on the pod that I wasn't as impressed with New Zealand as maybe what you were. And I, I just reckon they really struggled. They, they struggled defensively with with the injury now. Um, yeah, to cheat them. Yeah. To, they're, I mean, they're on the bottom of the ladder. And it, it, we hadn't expected it. We didn't see that coming. We didn't think the NBA games would bite them on the ass as much as what they have. But you said at the start that you know Illawarra, Brisbane, Adelaide. I I actually love the fact that they were able to get wins. You know, there've been a lot of doubters out there. They we were we were some of them. So probably another sign as to how even this league is, and that anyone is beatable on any night by any other team. Is Josh Bannon the newest version of what Nick Kay was in the NBL as far as just a solid, solid player, high IQ, finds himself next to Mitch Norton, who Mitch Norton basically followed Nick Kay around and they they went from 
uh, Townsville to Illawarra to Perth together. Now Mitch has gone to Brisbane and finds himself next to a player who I see very similar to Nick Cade. I'm wondering what you think about Josh Bannon's game. So I had Josh at a couple of under-20 state championships and the fascinating part about Josh is that his junior basketball, he exclusively played the, the five. He played as a centre. He was at Blackburn and being such a small club, surrounded by Bulleen and Nunawadding and all these other massive junior clubs, he was always the biggest kid on the team, so he was a five-man. His development has been really, really rare. You know, we, as players evolve in their careers and they slow down, you, you go from being a four to a five or you go from being a three to a four, but very rarely do players go the other way. Guys like Josh Giddy, and you hear about the growth spurts. I grew up as a point guard, then I, I grew six inches. Scotty Pippen, and I already had that skill set. You, you very rarely see it go the other way where a big has to transform his game to play, you know, as a power forward and then as a wing. And I give Josh Bannon a lot of credit for the evolution of his game over the last three, <laughs> four, five years. And it's a very long-winded way to say, yeah, maybe. I, I, the one thing I think about Josh is that he will get the last drip of potential out of his body and whatever he, whatever we see in Josh Bannon as a professional basketball player will be his absolute ceiling because I think he'll find his ceiling. Another team that's done really well to start off the season, find themselves second on the ladder at the moment, South East Melbourne Phoenix. Now, you said earlier on in a couple of podcasts back that they'll find a way to keep Tyler Cook because he's better than Alan Williams. Well, Alan Williams has come on back in and he's been sensational for for the Phoenix and what he does in his role. Um, how are you seeing the Phoenix at the moment and what Mike Kelly's doing with his men? I half agree with what you said about Alan Williams. He's been incredible on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. He's been he's really, really struggled on the defensive end. And it's interesting when you sit and watch a game through a different lens. So... He's near on unstoppable, and the thing I like about what the Phoenix are doing, they're actually servicing him servicing him on the block and his deep catches. He's got really nice touch. Um, defensively, he's got to be able to defend pick and roll. He's got to be able to switch if they're doing that. They've got to find a way, whether it's an aggressive zone, whether it's a – whatever it is, they, they need to find a way to keep him on the floor down the stretch. So – you know, even in the game just gone, they're up a bunch against New Zealand, up 26, I think, at one stage. And even in that, they they didn't find a way to play Alan Williams in the fourth. Now, granted, the team did poorly when he was on the bench, but you would have thought for the entirety of the fourth quarter before the very end, they put him on the floor if they were confident in both ends. So if Alan Williams can find a way to be a serviceable defender. He doesn't have to be elite, but he can't be a liability. If he can be serviceable, I agree. I'm really impressed with what he's done on the offensive end. It's uh, And we'll get to this guy. He, it's a bit like Yusuf Nurkic right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the, can I just <laughs> say that I love that you're driving this episode? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at, at, at some point. Um I, I, 
this is this is a point where you know that I'm getting older because this made me laugh during the week and I'm not sure if you saw it. I know we were, we were planning to keep this one positive and th this is a positive thing, but the big uh, Bull Quoll played 40 minutes on the weekend. And oh, now he's the Iron Man and, comment. And, oh, and now he's an Iron Man. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I remember back in the day where you used to play two or three overtimes and then you'd be playing 50 minutes Andrew, in a game. Andrew Gay's averaged over 40 a season because he had overtime games. If, if Bull Quoll's <laughs> a bloody Iron Man, Andrew Gay's is a statue. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to I had to bring that up just because I, no. I just found it laughable <laughs> that Clickbait. you get called an Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. Um over to the NBA. That's enough NBL for, for this week. Uh, I feel like we, we try and beat on the NBL drum a fair bit. Um, but it's been the first week of NBA. And um, let's talk about for some of the guys that started with their new club via a trade. So Porzingis, 23.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, 2-0. He's been... I, I love that fit of Porzingis in Boston. What about you? And Yeah, I do because he sits somewhere as either the third or fourth guy in a rotation. He's never had that before. And for someone that talented who doesn't need to create his own shot that often, which suits his style of play incredibly well, you know, I, I was really impressed in, in the first game. Uh, can't even remember who they played you know, pick and roll to death until they took it away, then pick and pop with his with his ability to shoot the floor. I just thought he was really impressive. Um, they're going to be tough to Celtics. So, I mean, I've got the list in front of me. I'll, I'll rip through them and, and stop me any time. You know, Max Struess getting, going over and playing for Cleveland, That they, fair to say, they haven't started the season as they'd like. They're, they're one and two, but, you know, open the season with a 27 and 12 game evened off a little bit, but when you're still averaging 19, 9, and 4, you've, you've got to say that's a really good signing by the Cleveland Cavaliers to you know, to give Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland a little bit more space, even though Garland's been out. Um, and and the one to that, Chris, is Miami's missed him. Yes, he's I, been valuable see, to Cleveland, but I think Miami's missed him. I see. I, I agree, and I... Oh, I'm so, so, so hesitant in saying this, but they're going to have to change. Miami, for me, aren't even close to being a contender. Not even close. I don't care what you say about Jimmy Butler. I don't care what you say about heat culture. Those things are, are, are real. I don't care what you say about Bam Adebayo. Outside of that, they're so thin compared to even other teams in the East. I... They do that. They miss him. They miss Gabe Vincent. Um, they let some really important pieces go. Um, yeah, the interesting one for me, I, I have the unpopular opinion that Phoenix trading for Yusuf Nurkic and giving up DeAndre Ayton was a real step back. Yusuf Nurkic's basketball IQ is much higher than DeAndre Ayton's. And he, he absolutely sort of, he can, and again almost like Alan Williams, but an NBA version of Alan Williams. He can score the ball, but the, the Lakers picked on him and just went until they got mid pick and roll, and 
he's a defensive liability at this stage, but I, I think they'll find a way to fix that. But he, he you know, <clears throat> we're evaluating him in three games without Brad Beal and two games without Devin Booker, and he just seems solid and. You always had the he's a good passing big. Well, yeah, he's averaging four assists a game. You know, he's he's near on a double double plus four assists. But you always had the sense that DeAndre Ayton needed to prove something, and he I'm better than what people think I am. Merkic doesn't care. He's I think it's a really good fit to come into a team full of superstars and just say, hey, no one's even looking at me anymore. I'm going to be that savvy vet. I'm going to give you 10 and 10 a game. I'll defend okay. But when it really comes down to it, those three guys are going to score more than anyone else anyway. So, you know, I've got the best job in basketball. So, actually, I I like the trade for the Phoenix Suns, and I know that's not popular belief. Um, I'm going to flip this one on its head. Um, Watching the Lakers game, um, LeBron... Late down the back end, just went at Yusuf Nurkic and exactly two or two or three layups on the rim in a row, going it against that pick and roll coverage. The one person that, and I was on the trade machine, and I haven't been able to figure it out, figure it out yet. But the guy sitting behind DeAndre Ayton at Portland, being Robert Williams the third, finding a way to get him to Phoenix. And it would have to be through a three-way team trade. Um, it still can't happen for the next two months, from what I understand of him being dealt. But finding someone like that on that Phoenix team with Durant, Booker, and Bill, <coughs> that could be an interesting one to watch. Um, the, the, the one thing Phoenix don't have, and Nurkic will never give them again or ever, is... That rim presence, yeah, offensively and defensively. And you see, again, here's my conversational Eurostep where the Derek Lively addition to Dallas, I I think he's really going to free Luka Doncic up even more. And I think everyone's always spoken a little bit like, I shouldn't even compare him to Ben Simmons, but we always said a lot of Ben Simmons' assists came from kick out the three-point shooters. And that's what... Dallas have surrounded Luca with for the last mm. three years. This is the first time he's really had that just throw it up by the rim, I'll go get it guy. Imagine that at Phoenix. And that's Robert Williams, to your point. You saying that Maxi Kleber can't do that? I'm absolutely <laughs> saying Maxi Kleber can't do that. He's a pog. Um, that's an Andrew <laughs> Parkinson term, prisoner of gravity. Um, he... <laughs> Just that, that ability, and, and the other thing is, to, I love when you've got multiple players in the same position who are completely different, and I, I think that would be a really interesting. I agree with you. If they, I don't sit on the trade machine. I don't know if it can even happen, but I, I do think there's going to be a lot of movement when December fifteen rolls around for a lot of teams. Chris, can I tell you this? After week one, did you think we would be talking about Kelly Oubre's seventy sixes? <laughs> I I like it for I I sat in a bar in Queenstown and watched his first game and I was I was actually smiling. I was like, this is fantastic for a couple of reasons that 
James Harden would have hated it because he would have sat back hoping that they realised they couldn't do without him. Um, Kelly Oubre goes from the Charlotte Hornets to a team where he can come off the bench and be their their go-to scorer. Um, I just thought he was really good. Um, Pretty good on the defensive end, can create his own shot, can score in bunches and, you know, put him right in the game uh, against the Boston Celtics. I, I, I was really, I mean, what are, what are his stats? If you go through, geez, he's uh, 19 and four odd per game. They're two and one with, without Harden or without whoever they trade Harden for. I just think he's been a really, really important piece. Um, and good on him. But I must say, though, when I watch that game, oh, stick in the mud comment coming, but the Sixers fought their way back. They were up, I want to say, six with about five minutes to go. And there are a few plays. Joel Embiid, he tried to make this tap pass to the top of the key from the wing turned it over, put his head down, hands on his knees, and stood down the other end of the court while this, uh, the Celtics went four on three and ended up moving the ball and knocking down a three. Then Jana shot an air ball, went in defence, it should have been called a travel, got his own rebound, put it, stood there with his hands in the air, not playing another three. Joel Embiid, for a most valuable player of the NBA, reigning most valuable player of the NBA, takes so many possessions off. I have no doubt he is the guy that keeps them in games. But you can't have your MVP being the reason that you give games away either. Joel Embiid gave that game against the Celtics away. And you can you can explain it all you like and you can defend him all you like. In the last five minutes of the game, Joel Embiid get, took five possessions off. I went back and watched it. That to me, in game one of an NBA season against the Milwaukee Bucks where you want to make a statement, um, I don't know. It, it, it just sits wrong. And, you know, we've talked about him going to the Knicks and we've talked, yeah. They'd want to get a better version of that. They've already got Julius Randle who does exactly that anyway. <laughs> well, let's be honest. If that was to happen, Julius Randle would be part of the trade. He'd be gone the, anyway. Of course, of course he would. The, but the, you the don't, but you, my point is you want a better version of that. Joel Embiid at his best is clearly the league MVP. But he's proven that. But the, at his the, worst, he can, he can cost some games. The issue is Nick Nurse's philosophy is I'm going to have my guys on the court longer than – my best players on the court longer than your best players. That's I am his, men. Yeah, that's his overall philosophy. The issue with that is when you play at a pace like that, which unlocks uh, Maxi, for example, and Maxi, we'll talk about him in a second, how brilliant he's been. He plays at this this speed that is unbelievable. Joel can't play at that speed. Joel is a needs a point sure. guard that can walk it up. But, but and you can the try post. to. But you can still jog back. You can. You don't have to play at that speed. He'd be the first MVP that has come back and looks like he hasn't tried to get better in the offseason or doesn't have a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> Speaking of slow centres, MVPs, do you see Nikola Jokic's quote today where he said, Chet Holmgren needs to get fatter? <laughs> <laughs> 
just, that was fantastic. Just, just um, while you're on Jokic for a second, did you see his alley-oop pass, three-quarter court? From the three-quarter court out of bounds. That, and the, the, the camera couldn't keep up. That was one of the most insane passes I've seen. Hmm. That baseball pass off in the, from the backcourt, sideline out of bounds, alley-oop dunk. Just um, as good as Chris Golding's one last night, yesterday. I thought that was um, – with Shea Ely that did knock down a three. But regardless – If anyone wants if anyone wants to go back and Google the 1995 NBL Rewind dunks of the year, there was a Frank Dremick three-quarter pass, three-quarter court pass down in Tasmania, which led to a reverse dunk. Just have a look. It was a really good pass. Um, Ty, hey, um, Tyrese Maxey, the, the thing that's – there's been a lot of talk about him as most improved player of the league, and I know you've got someone you're going to throw into the mix. Who, by the way, since you sneakily messaged me at 51 to one, he's gone in the 20s. Um, so Maxi, we knew was going to take a step up in James Harden's absence. 30 points a game across three games, seven rebounds and six assists. They're all extraordinarily impressive. But when you're when you've been given the ball in a higher usage rate than you've ever had. You've already described the, the pace that Maxi plays at, and now you've been asked to be the primary, the, the, the guy that, the, that runs the team. 30 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and one turnover. 18 assists to one, oh, sorry, 18 assists to three turnovers. That six to one ratio is, to me, almost as impressive, if not more, than the points, rebounds, assists. I agree. He, mate, he has been unreal to start this season. The other person that I want to highlight is uh, Jalen Duran from Detroit Pistons. And yes, I did message you. won the one last week. Yeah, you did. I did message you after his first three games. He was still at 51 to 1, but you've just told me he's down to 21. Uh, first three games 23 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, two blocks in game one. 14 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, two blocks in game two. 17 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, four blocks in game three. Pretty impressive for a guy that wasn't getting much court time last year um, and definitely is in that early conversation. But as you know, you can be in the early conversation. It's an 82-game season. And what's the what's the threshold that they've got to play? 65 games now? To be 65 games. So uh, a lot can happen between now and then. Uh, you, you, but, know what, you know what is impressive, and you did, and I think you mentioned last week, you, you spent a little bit of time talking <clears> to <throat> Sam Vecini at the Melbourne United game on your Bucks weekend. Mm-hmm. The number of stats you've rolled off this episode is probably more than the entirety of the entire year and a half I've been doing this. Really impressive. I'm impressed by that. All right, well, let's get off stats and let's talk about our NBA <laughs> rankings. I'm, un- I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable. Before yeah, we, we get to that, yeah. I'm just going to keep patting myself on the back until I can't. The Orlando Magic, 2-0. Yeah. No, Playoff no, no. bound. Anyway, go to your rankings. All right. Um, feel free. You, you don't know what I've written down here. so I don't. Feel, feel free. I'm going to start in the East. I've got two contenders, four in the playoff, four in the play-in, and the five out, okay? okay? So my contenders for the Eastern Conference are Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, and nothing more left to said. I agree, and, and until <clears> someone <throat> changes their roster, I don't think they're going to be close. In the playoffs, I've got Indianapolis, I've got Philly, I have Cleveland, and I have Orlando. 
you've got a Lando too. Mm. I've been really? watching. I've been watching. Have you? Them. Mm. They're fun, aren't they? They are good fun. I I was I'm surprised that I'm agreeing with you. Um, Atlanta had a big win today. We're recording this on a Monday night, um, Australian time, but. Atlanta's win over Milwaukee today surprised me. You know, up 25 all game. You know, Dame had six points, five assists and four. You know, really, really quiet game. So a, a tale of two games for Dame Lillard as he goes to fit in so far. Maybe he was sick, maybe something. But um, Atlanta's an interesting one. I'm, I, I still don't know, but I do like Indiana. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm Indiana, uh, sorry, Atlanta's a watch... I'm watching them with interest over the first 10 games or so. Well, I can tell you that I've got Atlanta in the out right now. As we really? speak, I've got Washington, Detroit, Charlotte, Atlanta, no. and Chicago. No. Oh, out? In, in out. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. I thought and you were going to tell me those playing teams. And, and the playing teams are Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, and the Knicks. I would, I would change Atlanta for Toronto. I don't think I think Toronto are going to hit a stage this season where they realize what everybody else knows that they're mediocre, and they need to build around Scotty Barnes. And I just I don't think they can score. I don't think they can space the floor. I think they're long and they're athletic, but you know it's not a tough scout to play against Toronto. I don't think they're going to score more than 110 points a game consistently. And I think there's enough teams in the East and the teams, of course, they play from the West, but they're just going to be able to score too many points for Toronto to hang with them. So I I have Toronto out. And I, in that, I would put Atlanta in ahead of Toronto. Okay. So that's the East done. Um, the West, would you like me to start with contenders or start with out? Well, uh, well, let's go the same way. I'm going to. I'm going to guess that you're going to, your contenders are Denver and the Suns. Correct. I agree. No, I, I actually. I, 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 I <clears throat> even this early, I, I, I don't see the Lakers as being a contender. Um, you, you go and go through your list. My playoff teams are the Lakers, OKC, Golden State, and Sacramento. Keep keep going because I'm wondering where you got. My, I'm wondering where you've got New Orleans and who's the team that misses. My out. play-ins are Minnesota, Clippers, Pelicans, Dallas, and my outs are Portland, Houston, San Antonio, Utah, and Memphis. So, so Memphis is your key one there, and yep. I, I you know what I, I, I actually tend to agree with that analysis. I. I reckon if we spent more time and we'll do it later on in the season when we've seen them a bit more and we went over, you know, when we get 15, 20 games of information, the the the, the Ant games out, the Steve Adams injury, it, it might be insurmountable for, for Memphis this year. That When you're looking at a team that's got Desmond Bain as your leading scorer, and I think he's a wonderful basketball player, but look at all the other number ones, twos, and even three guys in the West. I tend to agree. I think the Pelicans are a really interesting one. Um, you had them in your playoff, didn't you? Play in. I couldn't fit them. I couldn't, I couldn't see them being having a better season than Sacramento, Golden State, or OKC. 
Okay, so you'd probably yeah, be in the bottom I, of that I, bunch. I, I don't think the Golden State Warriors are a lock to get in there without going through the plan. I, I, I would see them if they missed Steph for 10 games and, you know, Clay Thompson had a, a nice scoring game today. The, the jury's out on where, where he's at. Um, another team that doesn't have – and they've never really needed – well, they have they had Bogues and they had others, but, you know, their, their death lineup, their small ball has proven successful, but I think anyone can do that now. They don't have a plan B. And I'm not sure if – Chris Paul being added to the Warriors team doesn't sanitize them a little bit. And by that, I mean, he's not the guy who that constant movement, that, that <laughs> the coming off screens, that, you know, he needs a ball in his hands and he needs to be able to stare down his opponent and make plays. I, I don't know. I, 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 the Warriors for me are a little bit of a watch this space. I, I, I don't have them as a lock to get to the playoffs without going through the play-in. Is there a Mr. Woody outside your house? There is, and is he's probably really? struggling. He's probably <laughs> struggling going down the street that's being resurfaced right now. It's, it's, um, pouring, rain. The it's two, pouring rain here. There's no Mr. Whitney here. The two teams that I've got as will have the biggest roster change by uh, the, end of the end of the trade deadline, the Knicks will be the biggest roster change in the East, and... The Minnesota Timberwolves will have the biggest roster change because I just do not see another full season of Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert working. So, so it's really interesting. I I agree. The if it's not Embiid, it's Carl Anthony Towns for the Knicks. So that could mm-hmm. be the same storyline. Yeah, and a, a new start for Carl Anthony Towns. And I hated what his off-season looked like and the comments he made and some of the opinions he had. I didn't hate it. I, I disagreed strongly. Um, but he is the type of scoring big and skilled big who could help the Knicks if they can't get him beat. I, I, would, I could only imagine that he's second on their list if they get to a stage where they think, hey, this Joel thing's not going to happen. So they could easily be the two highest turnover teams simply because they trade with each other. Correct. Um, I, I still think there are going to be teams in the West who quit. Yeah, I think Toronto quit in the East. Um, yeah. Oh. Dallas yeah. Dallas is also the other interesting one to watch as far as quitting uh, or this shutting is, up shop. I'll tell you what, if Dallas get a sense that they're off the pace... No one's really genuinely spoken about Luca leaving yet. Oh, it's it wouldn't take more than two years of not making the play in for him to be really, really disgruntled and to seek somewhere else. You know, you know when when Kyrie Irving came to the Mavericks, I wasn't a fan of the trade. Now they've had a they've had their first season. They've had their <laughs> They've had their uh, the, the full preseason together now. That the analogy I made and I sort of stick by it is, it's yeah. When someone like Kyrie Irving comes in, it's like your daughter dating the wrong guy. You just hope that they end up happy, and it doesn't last long. <laughs> that that was my Kyrie Irving observation. Now it's 
I, I, I still sit there. I, if it's not Luca, they've got to move Kyrie and find value for him. And oh, let's have it. Let's dig into this one deeper in a couple of weeks when we know. But there's, you know, clearly I know a few people in Texas, and the underlying stories. It's going to be an it's an uncertain time in Dallas. They they'd want to perform well really quickly. Mm. Um, we're going back to the. East versus West All-Star game. I love it. I've, I've hated the last couple of years in this schoolyard picking bullshit that's happened, um, which has sort of led to trades being done later on down the track. If you remember last year, Giannis's first pick was Dame Lillard, and we, we forgot to speak about Dame, at, and we didn't give it too much airtime about him and his first two games in Milwaukee, one being exceptional, one being very subpar, Dame Dame Lillard. Um, But I love the fact that we're going back to a West versus East setting. Um, And I'm not sure around the parameters, but I've always said whoever wins West versus East should get home court advantage in the final. Agree. You've got to dangle a carrot. You've... I'm not that smart a human being, and sometimes the, the, the simplest answer is the best one. And there has to be benefit, and players who are picked in the All Star game don't care about a half million dollars or don't care about prize money. They need a tangible benefit, and home court advantage in the NBA finals is exactly that. Now, having said that, for some of the All Stars, it's not, they know they're not even going to be anywhere near the finals, but. With a new TV deal less than a year away, the, you know the only thing I want in the NBA game is for is for them to actually try. That, that's all I want. I want to see the best players in the world try. And I, I heard this suggestion during the week where the thought is that Adam Silver, yeah, he got rid of East versus West because they weren't trying, and people wanted this schoolyard type thing. And the uh, what's the ending called? The Elam the, ending. The Elam end, yep. So then they stopped trying again, and now they've gone back to east and west. Is there a, is there a universe where it rotates year by year, where one year you have east versus west, next year you have an Elam end? What's it, what's it called? The Elam Elam Elam, Elam yeah. ending. And then the next year you have United States versus the world and you rotate through it to, to so no one gets come. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. And the players need to care. I, I don't know what you need to do to make people who make hundreds of millions of dollars care about their weekend off outside of the status of them being an all-star. But the, the players just need to care. Well, typically with an all-star game, they only care in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go, and that's when people really start to play. Um, one thing I'd like to see is quarter-by-quarter quarter incentives. Um, so maybe one quarter is for whoever wins that quarter gets home court of you know, the finals. Maybe the next quarter is a donation to a certain charity that is meaningful for all the players maybe a quarter is whatever it may be, but I think you need to become almost quarter-by-quarter quarter incentive to have them play the entire game, not just 
five minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, you, you know, what the other, I... the, the other, the other point is, why do we need an All Star game for the TV deals and for the gambling? <clears throat> it's simple, but mm. and for the NBA contract bonuses. But sorry, that was a little bit too matter of fact. Um, the I just want to go back to the, the part about them caring. You know when they cared the most? And for me, there was a spike. And everyone absolutely unequivocally cared and tried. It was the year Kobe passed away. And they all, wore, they all represented the spirit of Kobe Bryant and that mamba mentality. Yeah. But if it's that important, it can't just be one year. I'd like to see whether or not it's it's real or not to bring that type of purpose to the NBA game. To and, and if Kobe is someone who this generation of NBA players absolutely respects, admires, and 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 they buy into that Mumba mentality, make it a part of the All Star Weekend. Use that as his legacy. Um, it just seemed to me that without doubt the year he passed was the best All-Star game we've had in a long, long time and we haven't had one anywhere near since. Hmm. Um, uh, last they, thing, and, and, yep. and I'm going to talk about a huge congratulations to Kayla George and her Thank you. Yep. Las, Las Vegas Aces getting uh, the championship win. Uh about a week ago, uh, but the WNBL season is upon us, Chris. Um, the best kept secret in sports, as they <laughs> you keep read, on so talking about. Tweet, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, go ahead, mate. Platforms yours to no, uh, it, it, say what exactly, you need to say. It's exactly that. It's once the Matildas, and I'll reference the Matildas first. We all, the, the nation, sat back and watched how well they did, and. You know, early indications are that people went out and bought memberships to the, the, the Women's Soccer League here. The, the best way that we can support women's basketball isn't to talk about it on Twitter, isn't to talk about it on this podcast. That's all part of it. But to, to go and buy a ticket, to go and buy a membership. So, yeah, the WNBL season starts this week. We've got, yeah, the NBL promotes itself as the second best league in the world. We argue that it's the second most appealing or the, or the second most favourable. Um, the WNBL for a long time, in my opinion, has been the second best league in the world. It's right on our doorstep, but Basketball Australia have dropped the ball with the marketing. They've dropped the ball <clears> with the way they've treated the players, but it's an incredible league. They're incredible athletes. Please look up the schedule. We're not going to go over it now. WNBL.com.au. Look it up. If you're in Melbourne, support the Flyers or support the Boomers. If you're anywhere else, if you're in Townsville, support the Fire. Sydney, support the Flames. Perth, support the Lynx. You know, it may be their last year in the league unless we can buy a private owner. Adelaide, you've got to jump on board. Um, I'm going to be tuning in Wednesday's the first game. Um we get along the games. My kids love going. God, I, I just implore everyone to, to turn up, fill the stadiums, uh, talk about them. Uh, the, the media will follow. 
Uh, I thought it was great the coverage the girls got uh, throughout the week leading up, but it took a lot of fighting for column space in the papers. So, yeah, the WNBL season starts. We've made a commitment. We want to talk about it uh, in as constructive a light as we possibly can here. Um, You know, a couple of years back, we did our our two-way talk podcast through COVID, and we sat and watched almost every single WNBL game. And we evaluated the league as as it should be done, in my opinion, as, as professional athletes. That, you know, I, I read a, a tweet during the week that, you know, it was incredible what Kayla George did, especially as a mum. It doesn't need that caveat. It doesn't need to be especially as a mum. It was incredible what she did. Um, we need to start treating our... Every athlete we've got, male, female, whatever, absolutely equally. If they perform well, great. Let's celebrate. If they perform poorly, let's be a little bit critical and let's let's be honest in our evaluation. Let's not just give anyone a pass in any league. So all the way back to what you said, congratulations to Kayla George and all of the Aussies who played in the WNBA this season. But for Kayla... You know, I'm looking forward to, to someone writing more and maybe we can – do we know Kayla? Do you know Kayla? Maybe we'll try to get her on. I'd love yep. to I'd love to talk to her about her mindset <laughs> about playing garbage minutes most of the year, you know, a couple of minutes here and there. And in the absolute final game of the WNBA championship, starts and does well and they win the championship. That, to me, is how you stay ready, how you stay prepared – is the definition of why it takes a team to win a championship, not just a few individuals. So um, let's keep talking about the WNBL. Um, get out, watch it, support it, buy a membership. And if you're in Melbourne, you'll see me at either a Boomers or a Flyers game soon. And I'll be at a Perth Lynx game. Chris, that's about all. Good job, mate. Um, I think we're about due to get a, a guest on. Uh, we've got a couple. Yeah, of we've we've threatened this for up. a while. Mate. Let's let let's just make sure we have it. If you've got any ideas, let let us know. We enjoyed some of the questions. We didn't get them through. We covered in the story, I, but literally, I, I, literally we... I got one. I got one as we were talking, saying they would love to get Andrew Blahop on to talk about the state of the Wildcats. And you know, did what? you message? Did you message yourself? He was your idol growing up. You you messaged Hoff, didn't you? I, I did you not, did. but you know what? I'm definitely going to message Hoff now and ask him if he would come on board because uh, not only do, would he be able to tell us some great stories of Boomer's yesteryears and and what that was like, but, uh, you know, someone who in WA um, is as big as a legend there is in sport uh, for what he was able to do for the Wildcats over a long period of time. Let's wind this one up. You call Vlahov, and if we can't get him on, I'm blaming you. Then message Kayla, can't get her on, we'll blame you as well. Uh, <laughs> and then no, we'll get we, someone. We, no. Uh, surely one of them will. <laughs> <laughs> now let's wind up, Were they Good on you, mate. Thanks, mate. Talk to you soon. Knock, knock.